0: for our brother mike here as he brings the word all right father i thank you for my brother mike here i thank you that he is a disciple of, of jesus and he follows after you with all of his heart And I ask God that he would speak with clean lips and a clean heart. And that as he speaks to us, God, from your word, your spirit would anoint it. And that, Father, you would speak to us and encourage us. Father, I pray that uh, these words would not return empty, but would accomplish what you desire and achieve the very purpose for which you send your word. Do this, Father. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' awesome name. Amen. Amen. Love you, brother. All right. How are you guys doing today? Good. It's gonna be a little different with the handheld mic, but I've already prepared myself for it. Um, You guys will notice a couple of props today with me. First of which is gonna be the halls. Very important. I might pop that in my mouth a couple of times. And the second, of course, will be my phone because, race guy, we live in a world of technology. (laughs) Um, I wasn't able to get the the notes all typed up like I normally do, so I will have them on my phone. You'll see me going through that. I'm not Snapchatting. I am not uh, tweeting or anything like that. I'm just looking at my, my notes to kind of keep me going. Um, I'll tell you, we serve a God of miracles, because on Thursday morning, it <clears throat> turns out not to be an emergency situation, but on Thursday morning, I actually woke up, and my tonsil was so swollen, it was filling up my throat. Um, I, I couldn't talk. I, it was like I was tongue-tied back there. I looked at my wife, and I was like, I think I might have to go you know, to the emergency room, because i can't breathe i'm having a hard time breathing through there so that was a couple of days ago you know on thursday and here i am with just a cough a little bit of congestion so praise god i'm able to get up here and and, and preach to you but i tell you as much of a non-emergency as it was your throat starts closing up that's a pretty serious deal for you is it not <laughs> you realize you can't breathe so um, my family physician is Jay christ Okay, he's very good at what he does hails out of heaven offices all throughout the world so he's always taking new patients. So if you ever need a good family physician, that's the guy to go to. That's right. Jay Christ. Um, we were talking last—was uh, it last night? Night before uh, at the Christmas party, it came up about traditions, family traditions, and and I, I kind of debated would I share mine from the pulpit or what I just do it there, you know, at the Christmas party. But one of my favorite traditions that I do that my wife has allowed us to carry over is I still have my uh, my first ornament. For the first, for baby's first Christmas, my grandmother, my mom's mom, gave it to me. And it goes right there at the top of the tree, just below where Jesus or the star or the angel would go. It goes like just below that. Sort of, I don't know, it's my thing, you know, but like I hang it up high, but only because I don't want cats or dogs or Micahs or anybody or anything like that to like get a hold of it and break it because this thing has gone for now 33 years. So it's a very important. Um, ornament for me, uh, and we keep it. It's, it's a little box of our special ornaments, but I love that, you know, because every year I look forward to putting that thing up there. And it's one of my favorite things to do. I took my mom recently to, and as we talk about traditions, you know, sometimes we can get lost in traditions. Even as Christians, we have our own kind of traditions that we do, but they should always be centered and focused on Jesus. Right. And so everything that we do should point to him. And this is a very cool, um, experience for me anyway. I took my mom to her family physician to have her foot looked at. She's kind of nursing a foot injury right now. And the doctor was gifted at making balloon animals. All right. By the way, if you want to laugh, give somebody one of those special balloons that are made for balloon animals and try and blow one of those bad boys up. It's a trick to it. It is not as simple as blowing air into the balloon. Trust me, I know. I was this close to passing out determined to win the battle with the doctor. Nonetheless, he um, he makes this balloon animal, okay? I'm going to describe it for you. It's got four legs, it's got a nose, and it's got antlers. You guys know what I'm talking about? He gives it to Micah. <laughs> he goes, what did I just give you? Micah knows what a dog looks like. Yeah. He knows what a cat looks like. He's looking at this animal that the doctor made out of balloons, and he's completely perplexed. He, and I told the doctor the gracious way I could. I go, well, doc, we don't teach Santa in our house I'm not sure Micah knows what a reindeer is. You know, as Michael looks at him, he's looking at the doctor like, I have no idea. But how how wonderful is that, that my son can identify a reindeer, that he is not in, at this point, has he been steeped in the traditions of the world about Santa Claus and all of that? And I still love those opportunities when people ask me, well, why don't you teach Santa Claus? You know what I mean? Uh, because it gives me an opportunity to share just about Jesus, um, because Santa, Becomes more than our Savior. You don't see a whole lot of Jesus out there in the world. You know what I mean? You see a lot of Santa, you see a lot of elves and reindeers, and all these representations. But very few places will actually focus on really what it's important and what it's about. Um, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Second Corinthians eight. That's our main passage today. We will we will kind of reference Luke, um, John, and such. But I want to kind of rest here in this passage in Second Corinthians, because it's wedged in, in in the middle of kind of like Paul is just reminding these churches, give, because the churches have need, okay? And it's sort of reminding them, but wedged in there is this really wonderful verse that I, I really have grown to appreciate. <clears throat> While you're turning there, one of my favorite shows that I used to love to watch was Monk. Nice, clean show, uh, really funny. It ran for eight seasons. It was just a really wonderful show. But there's... It's, uh, it's, I think it's far enough past the end of the show now that I can share this, but Monk throughout the series, you would th- they would talk about this little present that Shruti, his wife, left him. It was the Christmas when she died. She was killed in a car bomb, and she had this present that she was going to give him. He was sure he knew what it was, but he never opened it. And for 12 years of his life, as the show goes on, he never opens the gift until the very final two episodes. He opens up the gift. Okay? His wife's murder is the one murder he can't solve. He solves all these other cases, doing amazing things, a wonderful detective. He can't solve his wife's murder. The key piece winds up being in this gift. You know what I mean? Winds up turning his attention and finding the guy that's responsible uh, for and the reason why his wife was killed. And I got to thinking about that. How many people here, I mean, are really excited about next week? And not just because the Cowboys or somebody's playing. I don't know who plays on Christmas Day. But I'm mean, like, really excited about next week. Anybody going to be brave enough to raise their hand? We should all be, right? It's Christmas. It's presents. It's gifts. It's all that kind of stuff. you know. But I want like to I wanna try and look at Christmas like that present that Monk had on his little shelf. He'd pull it out, put it under the tree, wouldn't open it, back on the shelf. Next year for Christmas, he'd pull it out, put it under the tree, back on the shelf. You know what I mean? I want for Jesus every day. To be like that present. He should be like that gift for us. You know what I mean? Except we should open it and we'll get there, right? We'll, we'll have to get there. So when we look at 2 Corinthians 8, I'll read the verse. It's, it's verse 9. <clears throat> and again, it, it, I've talked about how Paul is reminding the churches give because the church has need, right? And so for you know, he says in verse 9, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. I think we find kind of the heart of Christmas right here. Right here in this snapshot verse. I mean, think about the implications for just a moment here. The church is kind of destitute. They're They're lacking the basic necessities to function. Trust me, Paul would not make a big deal about this. He wouldn't waste his time to travel to these churches to write letters to them if it was because, well, they want to get the newest, you know, UHD, flat screen, curved TV or whatever. Like if it was just some kind of want that they had. This was a need that the church had, okay? Much like our need every single day. You know Jesus, you have him in your heart, that's awesome. Anybody who doesn't, you need to be up here. At the end of this sermon, getting right with the Lord, okay. But for those of us that have got there, and we have Jesus in our heart, and we understand Him. It doesn't stop there. You have not arrived. Every day poses a brand new challenge. Every single week, every circumstance that comes up, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, every everything in the world poses a brand new challenge. Which is why you need to be opening that gift every single day. You need to be opening that package. And every time you open the package, God sends you another package. Straight from Jesus. It is Jesus. you got more than you need to get through what you need to. Okay? You know how I know this? Don't raise your hand because nobody would anyway, I would gather. But how many people are also worried this Christmas? How many people are also experiencing some degree of apprehension? Am I going to have enough to, to bless the people around me? That's a thought that's gone through every mind, I'm almost sure of it, it's gone through my mind. And how many times I'm humbled by that, because I love to give. I was just talking with Katie Beth in the Sunday school room earlier, and <laughs> she made a statement to me, and I said, well, I think that happens to generous people. I think it always happens to generous people. Can I share? She goes, I went over my budget a little bit with Christmas. We did. <laughs> I looked at her, and I was like, yeah, I told Sarah. I was like, that's more like a really set of a guidelines, really, um, more like suggestions. Um, you know, but I think for generous people, that's going to be our tendency, amen, is that because we want to, we want to, we're not going to out Jesus, but we love to try, fair enough, we love to try, and so we're going to, so I told her, I was like, it's, it's just going to happen, you know, um, are you rich if you have this? We I mean, think about that, some would say yes, and some would say no, if you can't see what it is, it's a dime, okay, which ironically enough is smaller than a penny, but okay, um, but it's a dime, all right? But what if it was your last dime? What would you do with it? Just scratch off a of ticket? <laughs> you know, did you give it away? You know? Now here, for most people in the room that I know, that's 20. That represents probably two Christmas gifts. When you start budgeting that $10, right? 10, 15 for family, we'll bump it to 20. People that are really important, so we do this you know, as advanced math. Kids, <laughs> study math, because you're going to be using that for Christmas. You know, you're going to run that algorithm, you know what I'm talking about, and it's going to spit out what people get. You know? Is it a box of chiclets, or is it going to be like, you know? Um, but you know, that's how we do it, and that's wonderful, because that is us being generous. That's taking of what we, what we have, and we could be getting stuff for ourselves, but instead we try to bless as many people as we can. That's why we set the budget, right? Otherwise, I'd get one guy, the most awesome gift, Right, and just kind of hedge my bets, you yeah? know. Maybe if I do that for him, maybe next year, okay, I'll get him the big screen TV. He'll get me the car. I'll get the, You know what I mean? So, but that's why we budget, cause we want to be a blessing. But let's look at this verse here real quick, okay? As we look into this, this, this concept of why Jesus came, you know. And I want us to step aside from these gifts because as Christians, we can still get caught up in. It. I want to bless my children, you know. Mine was the little one in red up here that tried to steal the show. <laughs> You know, he tends to want to do that, um, but why Jesus truly came and what he really did for us. Because of all the things that we experience and how wonderful they can be, Christmas is going to be great. I look forward to being able to go and give the gifts I've gotten for people. I look forward to getting those gifts from people that have gotten for me so generously and being able to extend those things. I really look forward to it, but it cannot be my focus. It just can't. I can't get distracted by what really I'm needing to to glean from this because it's a very simple message tonight, you know, but it can be hard. Because you're talking about 45 minutes of preaching or video or whatever it is you're doing. You read through a 1,000 pages. You're talking about one line that you need to remember. That's a pretty hard thing, but it's an important thing. And if you focus on it, then you're going you're gonna to be on the right path. So it says that Jesus, <clears throat> though he was rich, right? So what was he rich with? You ever stop to think about that? What was he rich with? Is he sitting up there like, like Scrooge McDuck swimming through all his coins in heaven? You know what I mean? What does Jesus have that makes him rich? Because he's about to give it up. He's about to give it up and come straight down to heaven. So what was it? I looked up the top 10 richest people, just kind of quickly in in here as I was getting ready. And I'll read through a couple of them. You guys want to launch some names? We'll probably get a few of them. Who do you think is the top 10 richest? Bill Gates, Gates, number one, 75 billion, or whatever this website told me it was, you know, give or take 100,000, I don't know. Um, Who else? (laughs) I'm sorry? He wasn't on there, but he's going to be getting pretty close, right? This guy is just out of control with what he's doing, right? So he's not on there. Warren Buffett's on there, $60.8 billion. Mark Zuckerberg was on there. I don't have a figure for him. Um, Jeff Bezos, you know, $45 billion. These guys are up. These are all your billionaires and everything. I looked down the rest of the list, and I came to two conclusions. I'm not on there. <laughs> with my $20.10. But maybe. Scratching that lotto ticket, you never know. Um, and I don't know anybody who is. <laughs> they could be fake people. <laughs> Just a list prepared to make you feel this big. You know what I mean? They could be fake people. I've never met them. You know what I mean? But there. But nonetheless, there's the list for you. All these billionaires. Are they rich? And again, it's going to be depends on what our focus is going to be. If you're th- talking in terms of mi- finances and money and and all of that, then absolutely, <laughs> these guys got more than what they know what to do with. You know what I mean? But who's in their house under the Christmas trees at Santa Claus? Is Jesus on the tree? Because guess what? When it comes down to it, and I walk into the gates of heaven and I go, "There it is Jesus. That's what I got left. Where do I go? They're going to have to leave a whole lot more. How many dimes that is? 48 billion dimes? It's a lot of dimes. You know what I mean? probably crush under the weight, but nonetheless, you know if that's what their focus is. So here's what I'm going to say. Jesus has something. We have it now, though we'll experience it later. We're going to sit at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. All of these things that made Jesus rich are going to make us so rich in heaven. But we've got to get that concept of money out of our head. It's got zero to do with that. You don't need it. You have everything provided for you. Jesus had eternity with his father he was there at the beginning part of the trinity and so he had eternity with his father blameless without blemish sinless he had all he could he could need with his father And eternity with heaven this is one of the things that makes him rich he has an eternal presence with the father i mean with his father he sits there with him he sees him he experiences him in a way that we just can't right now But how amazing is that going to be? Because how much does God the Father, how much does Jesus affect you today, this side of heaven? And just imagine all the miracles he's done. If you start to think about those things, and you start to think about how he's come through for you and those impossible things, and you have this relationship with him that grows and it gets stronger and it gets stronger. But just imagine what it's going to be like when all of this is done away with, and you have this eternity with him. This is the most amazing gift ever that what He wants to bring to us, because that's what He has. Jesus had all the Father's glory. In fact, we'll look at that as we get into how He became poor. But if you look in John seventeen, it taught, He asked for it back because He gave it away. John seventeen five. I don't have the verses out there unfortunately, but you can turn to John seventeen five. Jesus asks for the glory back. He says, "God, Father, give me that glory that I had with You when I was up there with You." he had to give that away he had to let that go to come down here but that's what really made jesus rich that's what's going to make us rich in heaven that's what's going to make your life your your heart your soul everything that is you. your spirit is going to become rich with that whenever we get there but jesus gives it up right so what else does he give up when he becomes poor well he had eternity so he had forever with the lord with his father and i want you to think about this for a second if you got to heaven how quick would you come back because jesus was fully man and he was fully god so he understands the question i'm asking you right now the fully man side of jesus understands this question if you were to get access to heaven today like it was a theme park or you got some special tour of what's the most amazing museum, but, we, but it's heaven. You walk through the gates. How quick are you going to come back through the gates to come back here? Anybody here? <laughs> no? I tell you one thing I would do. I'd throw me a nice little temper tantrum. I'm staying right here. <laughs> I'm not going over there because I've already been there and I don't want to go back. You know what I mean? And I think we would all do the same exact thing. <laughs> So now put Jesus in that situation, because, gang, we needed it. Church, we needed it. We were that destitute, church. We were that lacking the basics of what we needed. We thought we had it under control, but we didn't. You know, Not only were we poor, and many of us would say, yeah, my bank account would account for that, but we were so much more poor than that. We were so emptied in our spirit. We were so just destined for hell. The devil had us. In his grasp, we couldn't get out even if we tried. We didn't have the strength. We didn't have the purpose, the direction. We had nothing. We needed that. And long before we knew it, every decision that we made getting us there, he knew it. He knew it all the time. It was always his plan. The moment you were created, the moment that God purposed you and all of us collectively, he knew, I'm going to have to send you. You know, And Jesus, I would gather, looked at his father and said, you won't have to do anything. I'm going to go on my own because I already know what you know. I'm going to make the choice myself. Do you note the word there when you go through the, the, the verse where it says, but he became poor? That implies choice. He became poor. Nothing made him. Nothing at all. Not even our sin it was all laid out from the very beginning it was all laid out if you sin death is the result plain as day so we are on the hook for our sins and he would have been justified in saying nope And in one case he had to wipe out the earth save eight he had to wipe out the earth you know he won't do it again by by flood but He got to a point where he had to do it, and he was totally justified. I don't care who you are or what justification you try to make, but he was justified in doing it, you know, because it's laid out there plain and simple. Just like I tell my child, if you touch it, you get a spanking. So I'm not being harsh when I spank my child if he breaks my rule. You know what I mean? Because I laid it out there, and it was clear. So let's keep that in mind as well. Jesus chose he has all of this stuff that we wouldn't give up for a second. You wouldn't be able to wrestle it from our hands. You'd, you'd be fighting tooth and nail to get it back from us once you gave it to us if you let us have heaven. Right? If God let us have heaven and we were there for a moment, it's going to be a fight to get it back. I'm talking about a Jacob fight. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like Jacob 2.0. You know what I mean? He might have to retch us a couple of times. Get a couple cherubim involved. Like it's going to be a battle. Where's Gabriel you know what i mean like it's gonna be a fight on our hands but jesus gave it up and i mean i'm gonna suggest to you that he gave it up like that without a second thought yep they did what we knew they were gonna do i got it what am i going perfect i'm there you know what i mean and like he comes down at the appointed time so that now get this not so that we will be rich so that we might become rich so why isn't it guaranteed You think it would be, you know? You start to think about things in this world, like people that give um, their organs for transplants, and you talk to people that have been impacted by this. I live because of that person's death. I live because they gave. Do you know what I mean? And for a lot of people, that's a big deal, especially if you're one of the ones receiving it. That's a big deal for you. You'll never forget it, ever. You know. Because without it, well, you wouldn't have to worry about remembering. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, I'm just going to lay it out there straight to you. You know what I mean? My goal is not to step on toes or hurt people or or whatever, but I'm going to lay it out there straight to you because we have to grapple with this. We have to get this in our heads that this man who was fully God gave all of that down. He said, I'm going to take the glory off, and I'm going to step down, and I'm going to be born. He was born where? Well, let's look at that in a remote village, okay? Pretty obscure little place, you know what I mean, when they were given the direction to go find Jesus, all right? He's in a feeding trough in a stable. He's wrapped in rags or strips of cloth. You know, these aren't like the nice towels at the end, you know what I mean? Um, And he's going to join, let's be honest, an undesired race. The Jewish people... They they were looked down upon. They were like they just were. They were just undesired race, you know. You see that through Egypt, when Israel was in captivity, how they were treated. You, you see it all over the place, all right. So that's where he's born into. So he doesn't even make fanfare. He doesn't even want to come through because he's the king. He doesn't want to make any fanfare. This is really kind of a quiet deal how this happens. You know what I mean? When he had every right to do it. All right, gang. I got it. I got it. I'm the the Savior, I'm the solution, I'm going to take care of business, don't worry about it, you know, smiting people that are mocking him out in the crowd, you laughing at me, dead. Okay, so, you know what I mean, like he doesn't do all of that, he comes in pretty quiet, All right. grows up, does this thing, three years of ministry, 33 years of life, three years of ministry. Now think about that, not only does he come here as a baby, but he, he only ministers one third of the time he's here. Like, is my math right on that? What's my math right? What's, what's, what is 3 out of 33? 0.03? One-tenth? One-tenth. One-tenth. Kids, study math in school. Um, One-tenth of his time here. Most of which... Yeah, well, you know. Roman numerals. It's European math. Um But the point is is that if you live 33 years and only minister for three years out of that most of which you are ridiculed and mocked at the end of which would be your death sound like a fair deal to you now you're looking back at it because i'm looking at the human side of jesus here because that's where we're going to connect with him we're certainly not going to connect with the god side of him (laughs) all right so we're going to connect with the uh the man side of him the most that's where the impact is going to be the most So here you are. You're 33 years on the earth. You've grown up. You've cried. You've stubbed your toe. You've done all these different things that people do. You've tried to teach them the truth. Many have rejected you. And then ultimately you're crucified. No surprises for Jesus. But now I want you to feel, how do you feel? So you give your life, people still reject you. You give them the solution. You give them everything they need to make it right. They, you know, it's, the, it's the, the antibiotic that takes care of the infection, it's the cream that makes the sore go away, it's the cough drop that takes the cough away, <clears throat> it's all of that kind of stuff, but you choose not to use it. And you're looking at them and you're going, really? Really? But there's no second chances. Because the next time he comes back, it's over. There won't be any trials, there won't be any stand in there. There won't be any pleading. There won't be any, I promise I'll never do it again. It's over at that point. And you're looking at it and you're going, man, I just, I've done all I can. Literally, I've done all I can. I've given the shirt off my back. I've given my life. And yet people still choose to not. They choose not to remember. They choose to get caught up in everything else. You know? I think that's the most crafty way the devil can do it for us. It's just throw a bunch of stuff at us. Constantly throwing a bunch of stuff at us because we don't need to believe it. it just has to distract us. That's all it's got to do when I'm at work <coughs> and I manage a restaurant, a lot of decisions come my way, and every day it's different. It's stuff that you couldn't you know you couldn't write it. you know what I mean, like hey Mike uh yeah, the roof fell on somebody in the bathroom <laughs> Well, what happened? I don't know. the toilet burst out of the ceiling, and it just I don't even know. And it's like, and they just drop it on my lap, and there they go. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, some old timer got hit by a car, flew through the windshield, <laughs> shattered the front glass. You know, I'm like, you can't, you just can't write this stuff. But it comes at me, barraging at me, barraging at me. And for many guys here that have, have jobs like that, they can appreciate, you know, it flies in at you like that. But you got to keep, you got to keep focused on the task at hand. You have got to solve the problem and continue on because this will stop with that problem. This, you know, and so and so called be fat, made fun of my hair. Okay, it happens to me. It ha- what's going on? Why are you crying? I've got a roof that collapsed over here, but let me stop what I'm doing to take care of your problem. He you said, what? Well, I'm sorry, but I'm, are you in it? Uh, you know, like, <laughs> but it flies at you like that, much like the words out of my mouth right now. Just flying at you, 100 miles an hour, a lot of different streams of thought, a lot of it kind of pulls together, makes a lot of sense, but really, you got to stay focused. You got to stay focused on Jesus. You got to stay focused on that gift that sits there under the tree. You know, I'm going to start a new tradition. I really am. I'm going to make little presents, and I'll put little plaques, right? And little gifts from Jesus every year, right? And one will say victory, one will say forgiveness, right? I was writing this down earlier. This is the Lord, not I me. Mean, one will say joy freedom because you know in the midst of that whole christmas season as we're getting involved in it and we always will look at i'm not expecting that we're going to change anytime soon not in the next several years because we're human there's a corruption in us that cannot be fixed the side of heaven it just can't at best it's going to be covered over by the imputation of christ's righteousness but then when we get to heaven see then it's all fixed right but you carry the corruption with you okay you're always going to have that tendency that's why i told you if you're saved it's not over because every day is going to present a new challenge you're going to get frustrated you're going to find yourself clenching your fist you're going to find yourself distracted you're going to find yourself not following jesus and you know when meredith said up here you know always find time for jesus you're going to find yourself not you're going to find yourself not having time for jesus it's going to happen i'm not saying it's okay i'm just saying don't be surprised when it happens you know, because we got to stay focused. But I think that would be a really cool thing to do, right, at the bottom of your tree and go, okay, who wants to open up this gift right here? You know what I mean? Because just imagine if you did that or if you know somebody's going through something and you give them the gift you're going to give them and then you give them the other gift, right? And they're all caught up in bondage. and They can't break free of it. And they need Jesus and they don't understand it. They just can't seem to, you know, come to terms with it. And they open up that gift and it says, it says, freedom, love Jesus. You know, maybe just a reminder every single day that I do. I can. See, the freedom is offered to me. It's whether I choose to use it or not. Every day, every moment is going to be a choice. You see? Every person I talk to, it's a choice. And what am I going to choose? And here's how that boils down for me, or as our wise pastor likes to say, where the rubber meets the road. So here's me at work, ceiling caving in, old man, through the windshield, out here right Got a lot going on somebody walks up and goes man I just feel like I don't know Jesus opportunity what am I gonna do I don't have the answer because all of those things are important I got a guy laying over here who might be dead with a broken leg I got somebody swimming up to her eyeballs in the bathroom with you know who knows what going on you know and then I got a guy here whose eternal soul could be at stake I might be the only guy that could talk to him because that's a.